We did have an amazing interview. I have to tell you, she sent me the questions late last night that she wanted to pursue. I was so impressed. The questions are really great. They were very thoughtful questions. They pointed to someone who is a thinker and someone who is reaching for, you know, the spiritual ground you and I have talked about and worked on. She comes out from that ground, the, the, the ground of self-inquiry. This is the perfect way to start your day, start your business, start your life, change your mentality, understand where your powerfulness comes from. She can help you get there. She gives great advice. She has so much wisdom, so much that you can learn from her. I feel more powerful, in control, and more creative after listening to Sabrina's podcast. I wish I were creating this podcast. Hey there. To kick off my brand new Success to Sabrina podcast, we're giving away an awesome prize, a Bose earbud. To get a chance to win this prize, all you have to do is go to www.timestrategic.com and follow the three simple steps. Subscribe to the Success with Sabrina podcast, which is all about winning in business. This podcast is definitely for you if you sometimes feel frustrated, overwhelmed, and if you feel that there's something holding you back. Now, to give yourself an even better chance to win this prize, all you have to do is share the Facebook post link that you'll be receiving on your email with your friends. Every time you share, you get more points. And the more points you have, the better chance of winning. And you'll be helping other business owners to regain control of their business. I bet you are already thinking of some business owners you know who would love to go from frustrated and overwhelmed to confident and in control of their business. Go ahead and share the Facebook post with them right now. Thanks for listening, for subscribing to the Success with Sabrina podcast, for giving me an honest five-star review, and for sharing it with your friends. I want to say, first of all, thank you so much and welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sabrina. It's an honor for me to be here and share my expertise with the world. I mean, ultimately, I think that's what we're here for. <laughs> Absolutely. So who I have here today is Carolina Colasses, and she's the founder of the Be Social Group. And it's an amazing company based off of San Francisco. But I was looking at your background, and it seems that you lived in Miami for a little while. That was actually in Miami for a good 14 years. Wow. The area. That's really great. Do you miss it or you like California better? <laughs> Be careful what you say here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually love California. I have a yeah. big crush in California. I have friends and family in Miami. We head over there at least once a year. Uh -huh. um, but there's sadly, there's nothing that I miss from Florida aside from friends and family. Yes. So now that we've covered on previous episodes a lot about the three-legged stool, which I was mentioning earlier in previous podcasts, which is really uh, the client fulfillment aspect, lead generation and lead conversion, I am so excited to get to this part about lead generation and mm -hmm. who to have better than you here. I'm so thrilled to be here with you and delighted that we're going to get to cover some great ground here for all the entrepreneurs out there that want to create more leads to their businesses. Um, so before we get into the neat and greedy here about this, I'm just curious because I love to collaborate with different people that are from different cultures. And were you born in the U.S.? I was actually born in Bogota, Colombia. 
All right. Yes. And tell me something. Is there anything from your Colombian heritage and culture that you find it that you use a lot for business that actually influences you in business in a great way? Yes, indeed. Actually, um, I do have to say creativity is one of the main elements um, that I actually use from my culture. In Colombia, you have to get very creative in life. You know, it's, it's, it's the reality. One day you have dinner on your plate, maybe the next day you won't. Um, so in a sense, you do have to get very creative as to like, you know, either starting a business or having this job or doing this, doing that so that you can actually uh, make it happen. And I think that, you know, a lot of that is, has to do with creativity and creativity in a business as throughout in life. I feel that it's a key element uh, to find yourself um, loving what you do, being able to explain what you do. So I think that, you know, creativity has been one of the main elements from my culture that has helped in my business overall. Oh, I love where you're going with this. You know, I once heard from one of my mentors, and I'm sure it's your mentor too, Tony Robbins, because it's everyone mentor, right? (laughs) And he says that, you know, it's not really about resources, but being resourceful, which really ties in with what you're talking about, being creative, because once you know that it doesn't matter how many resources you have, but just how curious you are in creating things and making it happen, even with the little resources that you have in the beginning, because we've all been there, right? So I'm excited. All right, let's dive in into the, the good content here. So if, if people ask you what you do, what, what would you say you do? So briefly, that's, you know, a common question. I do a lot of networking as I was talking to you before. I'm, you know, typically meeting people left and right every week. And um, hands down in a heartbeat, I tell them, we offer social media management services to a corporate level. That means that we manage Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest pages for businesses, artists, and or entrepreneurs. So what I want to understand from you, because see, the way that they use the old model, how people were doing business before in the digital marketing arena was, you know, the typical process and sequence of actions would be, they would create an opt-in page, which then would lead to a funnel of several series of emails that people would get. And then from there, they would get some videos that would then lead them to a sales page and then hopefully get the order, right? But from what I understand, what you're able to do with social media is just cut a little bit of that sequence just right to the chase and be like, hey, here's a video, watch. And if they actually resonate with you and they create that trust immediately, then you can send them directly into a sales page. So that's what's exciting, I think, about the social media is that you create that trust so much quicker nowadays than before. Um, So what is the best investment in the social media realm that a small business owner can make, in your opinion? So to be honest with you, it, it there are a few elements into looking into which, first and foremost, which social media platform is going to fit your business the most. I've had conversations, for example, with leads that are attorneys and they say, I just want them all, even Pinterest, I want them all. So obviously we're like, I could be the prick here and tell you sure and charge you for it. But what type of demographics am I going to provide you on a monthly basis? So I think first it all begins understanding and doing the research as to which social media platform will benefit my business the most. Secondly, you have to get creative, right? And try to see how am I going to engage with these people? Even if you only have 300 followers on your business Instagram account, 
Imagine having a room with 300 people. That's a lot of people. So you want to make sure that the content that you're creating is of value to these 300 people, even though organically nowadays you reach about 5 to 10% of those 300 followers, just to set an example, it's still 30, 25 people that you're reaching that are actually listening to what you have to say. So that's why when it comes to social media, you have to analyze, well, what is the strategy that I have for content creation? Is it engaging? Is it educational? Is it fun? Is it creative? Is it informative? And then you have to go back and analyze your industry, right? Because one thing is your business and talking about the services that you provide within your business. But a whole nother realm is your industry. What is your industry all about? How do you educate the consumer? So what I'm hearing is that there are certain platforms that are more, I would say, they fit better with certain types of industries, right? So, hey, for everyone that's listening out there, guys, you guys, you don't have to focus on all at the same time. It gets so confusing, right? So as Carol is saying here, uh, find what has the best results for your time and effort and money um, and start with that. And then maybe later on, you can get creative and start adding different platforms and things right? Absolutely. All right. So what are some of the ways that people in the social media arena are really making a difference? So actually, that's, I love that question because as you know, two years ago, Instagram launched the tool called Instagram stories, which is pretty much the same scenario and concept of Snapchat, where you take a selfie or a video and it stays there in the timeline or in the story for 24 hours, and then it disappears. So it's a lot more organic. I don't have to wear this full makeup for a photo that's going to go on my Facebook or this and that. No, because it's going to, the stories is different because it's going to disappear. So what we've seen throughout this year and a half and two years after Instagram stories is that people are engaging a lot more with sharing their beliefs on Instagram stories, whether they're political, religious, sexual, whatever, like sexual orientation or opinions, thoughts, comments. Say, for example, I'm in the vegan, vegetarian, protection of the planet, et cetera, kind of world, zero waste living, et cetera. And I've been following accounts that are obviously around these you know, topics because I'm very interested in it. And I see the great job that they do on their Instagram stories, for example, providing the top five zero waste stores, online stores in the US where you can buy you know, zero waste products, example, or composable products, et cetera. So it's very informative. It doesn't have to be as pretty and perfect. No. You just type in the five bullet points, tag the five stores, and it got it goes to your stories. So we've seen a 45% increase with user engagement on stories because it's a lot more organic. It's a lot more engaging and you're able to kind of dive in that person's either opinion or post, whatever it is that they're posting. So now we're seeing that people are getting very creative with their Instagram stories to make their opinion or to make their point across for whatever it is that they're talking about. So it's interesting. Now, stories also have provided like every three months or so a new widget or a new tool. So now you can run polls, you can run questions, you can post music. So it's obviously a lot more engaging because I can run a poll right now and say, today, Monday, should I drink tea or coffee? What do you guys think? And then people will be voting left and right because it's a lot more engaging. 
the engagement part is so key, right? So I love that you're touching on that because that is one important thing. I think sometimes people get lost thinking about social media and they think that they have to be out there creating a lot of content, which is obviously true. You do have to create value to the people for them to keep coming back and staying there in your realm of influence. But at the same time, engaging them is a strategy that you have to be thinking about. And it doesn't even have to be that complicated, but really just to get them talking, right? Whatever it is that that you want. So what are some of the bad recommendations, Carol, that you hear all the time in your area of expertise? Um, to be honest with you, what we hear a lot is like the consistency and the frequency of posting so you do see accounts that are posting two, three, four, five times a day. And that actually for sure will drive users and followers to unfollow your account. Obviously, they want to hear about you, but not four or five, you know, six times a day. So timing and frequency is actually very important where we've heard a lot of complaints, people saying like, you know, I stopped following this account because they were just posting way too much. It's overload of content. When I see their stories, it's like a hundred posts on their stories or 20 or, you know, 35. So like the frequency, people seeing so much of certain things, it's not ideal. So we've heard a lot about that. And we've also heard um, a lot of like stock imagery usage of only stock imagery. Um, it kind of interferes with the organic side of a brand. And I'm talking mainly from a brand standpoint, from a marketer standpoint, you do want to combine and balance out. Everything is about balance, right? So same scenario with social media. It's like certain posts, I want them to be branded, the colors of my logo and imagery and so on and so forth. But other images, I just want it to be a selfie of the team. Mm-hmm. or a selfie or a, of a, a team building activity that took place over the weekend of the team or something, or if you went to a networking event, you do want to see some sort of images that happened or what happened during the event, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you do want to have a combination because we've seen that the engagement, people do engage with what's real versus something that's way too perfect in a sense. So sometimes obviously stock imagery can be, way too perfect. It's like the perfect lighting. It's this model just posing with the perfect cup of tea. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that, that drives a little bit of disconnection with the brand. Not to say don't use it. Obviously there's great stock imagery, but balance it's, it's about, and specifically with Instagram, it's about really knowing how to drive your storytelling with a combination of stock imagery, but then also organic content. Yes. And what I'm hearing here for all the entrepreneurs out there that actually don't have a company like yours managing their social media is actually good news because it's telling you, hey, you don't have to be so professional and have all these design skills to really be creating great content and get engagement from your audience. So it's actually great news um, for, for the people out there that get stuck sometimes with the technicality of it. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Awesome. So, in your opinion, being in this industry and leading this amazing company, uh, what is the future of social media marketing? Like, how has the social media marketing field has changed in the past five years, and where do you see it going the next five, ten years? Well, it's actually you know from the, at the beginning, social media was just to connect. You know, if you had family members that lived abroad, what are your high school friends doing? I want to connect with them, and it was more about like 
here's what I've been doing with my life. Check me out. Let's connect. Let's continue the conversation, right? And let's continue to stay in touch. But I feel that social media has changed big time now offering marketers, any local business and marketers, business owner, artists, entrepreneurs, anyone basically that, you know, it's innovating or has a project or whatnot, the option to have an audience to speak to. And I think it's slowly but surely, well, actually not slowly but surely, I think sooner it's, it's kind of been doing that and offering that. Instagram was not built for what it is nowadays, just to give you an example. Instagram was basically a platform, a social media platform for photographers so that they can showcase their great photography and have a community and stay in touch and kind of connect with one another. Facebook bought it out and it became this amazing marketing tool where as a business owner, you can market your business and engage with your existing customers and upcoming customers and leads and target audience, etc. So I definitely see that it's been evolving tremendously. And where I see social media is more of an influence tool that obviously like everything, it has a positive side, it has a negative side. So you obviously see, say, see the people that complain about social be- social media being this addictive drug. Once again, when people come with the scenario to us, we say it's just like everything else in life. You have to learn how to balance being on social media versus being with your partner at home versus being with your friends at a party versus being, right? So yeah. take a photo for social media or a boomerang or a video, do it. Of course, how fun. But then that's done, put the phone away and continue to share with your surroundings at that minute, right? Yes. So that's one thing that I think comes along with education and we do a lot of that. And sorry. going along, sorry, Carol, you know, I'm, I'm Brazilian and part Italian, so I interrupt a lot. So I'm just going to put a disclaimer here. because. It's... <laughs> but, you know, I love what you're saying because it brings me back to this mantra that I live by nowadays, which is really create before consuming. And I think for all the business owners out there, you know, there is this thing about, you know, you can spend a lot of like, I would say dead time on social media. But if you're actually creating and not consuming, then it's not wasted time, right? So I think that we really need to try to avoid spending that much of consuming time. But if you're creating, then great, all power to you, right? Yes, absolutely. And also connecting, Sabrina. I mean, I live in in San Francisco, but my mom lives in Florida. My dad lives in Colombia. My brother and sister live in the Caribbean. And if I go to a Halloween event or to a party and whatever, and I want to show them photos, I just upload it on social media and they're able to see it. My grandmother is able to see it. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, everybody, instead of me sending text messages to everybody like separately. So it's a great way to also stay in touch with, with your family members. Yeah. But ultimately, I think the future, I think that's always been the, the purpose, the main purpose of social media. At least I know Facebook is LinkedIn. It's kind of like a whole different scenario. They're all separate worlds. But ultimately, I think the future of social media is really influencing like We are all influencers. How much are we using our social media channels to influence our communities? We don't have to influence the entire world and not everybody has to be Bono and, uh, you know, a huge influencer. Like not everybody has to be Tommy Robbins. Not everybody has to be Shakira. Not everybody has to be Jello. But you can be the Shakira and the Jello of your community. In other words, how are you talking to one another, influencing your followers? And I do a lot of that actually on my private Instagram account. The stories of my inst- my personal Instagram account, I actually dedicate a good, I would say a good 70% of it to talk about changes 
and habits that we can adopt in our daily lives to live a more sustainable life and keep our environment as a priority. So I put tricks, tips, ideas that I actually do myself and left and right, friends and family members and even like people that I didn't know followed me asking like, has it worked for you? Does it like, I sometimes post that I clean with vinegar instead of like buying Clorox that comes packaged in plastic, et cetera. And they ask like, is it good for the bathtub? Is it good for the toilet? Is it good for like the sink? Does it do this? Does it do that? And then I engage with them and I'm like, yes, it does. So I think eventually the future of social media is it's, it's more of a movement where like, what am I talking about here? How am I influencing my surroundings or my followers? Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, there are certain tools out there that make our lives easier when it comes to being consistent in posting. I know later.com is a great one for Instagram. Um, yes. What are what are the resources that have really helped you uh, in your business and that is almost like a must-have? Yes. For B Social Group, a must-have just because we're a team of five and we're all, we all work remotely. Um, Slack has been great, to be honest with you. It's like a collaborative tool where if, if we live in different cities, different countries, it doesn't matter. We all kind of regroup via Slack. Also, Smartsheet has been great. And Smartsheet is a type of tool that's kind of like an Excel sheet, but you can attach video images to it. So it's beautiful because when we want to talk to like our graphic designers, we do it via um, Smartsheet. And we upload like images or videos of inspiration that we want for them to keep in mind for certain designs for our customers. So it's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Um, we also use Over, which is a mobile app. Over is great for kind of helping you design, like you yourself designing nice templates for your Instagram stories. Um, or even sometimes also designs for the timeline. So it has various templates like Canva. Uh-huh. but it's a lot more user-friendly in our opinion <laughs> as a team here. Actually, those are like the main tools that we use on our day-to-day that are very helpful. Hootsuite is great for Twitter. Later is great for Instagram. It's kind of like, what do you do, Coca-Cola or Pepsi? Well, there are two types of people. <laughs> those who use Hootsuite, those who, who use Later and like are married to either one or the other, basically. Uh-huh. Hootsuite, you know, we've tried uh, scheduling Instagram posts through Hootsuite and it's been a bit of a mission. It's not as user-friendly and you still have to go to the app and open it for it to post like on the Instagram app. So I don't think they're there, they are there yet. But we use it for scheduling Twitter mainly, and it's great. It really is. And then we use later to schedule Instagram posts mainly. Awesome. Is when, there a tool for Facebook that you really well, love? No. Well, you actually, I highly recommend you schedule posts on Facebook directly on Facebook because Facebook will limit your reach if the post is being published from a third-party platform. It will limit your organic reach. So you can definitely schedule it directly from Facebook is the only platform that allows you to do that. So we do it. We schedule it on Facebook directly. If we don't have the time to do it like in real time and just post it us ourselves directly on Facebook, we schedule it on Facebook directly. Yeah. And I know that Facebook is changing a lot and it's getting harder and harder to target a specific demographic. Um, So how do you go around that as far as like, helping your clients to target like their audience and making sure that they're really speaking to the right people at the right time. 
Absolutely. One of the great ways that we've been able to do that is using the lookalike option, lookalike audience option on Facebook. So for example, um, we have a customer and they sell contact lenses by subscription. And what we've been doing is using lookalike audiences, which is their competitors. So 1-800-CONTACTS, AccuV, Hubble Contacts, for example. And we use those lookalike audiences. And Facebook will immediately start understanding what is their demographic, right? So that the lookalike audience option has been really helpful um, because obviously their algorithms start understanding, you know, the type of company they are, who they want to talk to, who they want to reach. And then also what we've been doing is on their posts, we choose keywords that are related to their industry, but also to the post itself. Example, if the content is talking about volleyball, and how you can play outdoor volleyball wearing your contacts and being perfectly fine, then we're not only going to use keywords related to contact lenses, but the activity itself and the content. So volleyball, beach, outdoor, sports, activities, outdoor activities, and then contact lenses, eyewear, so on and so forth. We typically don't do more than like eight or nine keywords, depending on the customer, but that has been very helpful. Yes, I love that. Um, and that can allow you to reach bigger audiences, basically. Tapping to different audiences. That's why it's so important, right? Um, so what is the question that you're mostly tired of hearing and you want to solve it for once and for all? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest with you, this whole influencers world and people saying that they posted something and it didn't obtain enough um, likes or comments or reach, and so it's it's creating like a lot of nostalgia and depression and et cetera amongst people. You know, like now everybody wants to be a YouTuber and everybody wants to be an influencer. So it's like a competition. And well, this influencer that I follow has 12 million followers and I only have 7,000 followers. So it creates this anxiety that we really are kind of not tired, but in a sense, it's like, like I said, even if you have only 500 followers on your Instagram account, think of it as 500 people in a room. What do you have to say to these people? That's a lot of people. We need to stop seeing followers and fans as just these aliens that are followers and fans. These are people regardless. So whether it's 500 or 12 million, you can be an influencer without having to think well, if I don't have 7,000 likes on this post, I'm no one. Social media is creating anxiety to young people because when they post something, it doesn't obtain a lot of likes or they're being bullied. Um, so I think we have to really um, educate the world in understanding that social media is just a tool like any other tool that you need to learn how to use it in a healthy way. The more we see followers as people, the more we're going to understand that even if it's 200 people, it's 200 people that fought that, that I can speak to. If I only obtained 35 likes or 10 likes or two likes, it was two people that liked it. Um, and so we need to start understanding that we can all be influencers, but being influencers is not just, it's not about being a verified account on Instagram or any of the platforms or because I have 10 million followers is about the type of message that you want to deliver. 
Right. And also building realistic expectations because it takes time to build that kind of following. And sometimes, you know, I'm a firm believer that there is no unrealistic goal. I think most times entrepreneurs, they fail by aiming too, too low and not too high. But I do see a lot of unrealistic timeframes, you know, so it's not the goal that is unrealistic. Like you can have a goal to obtain that many followers and it's great, but have a realistic time frame that you're going to give yourself to build that because no one does that overnight. Absolutely. And also because we need to understand that social media platforms are constantly controlling, for lack of a better word, their algorithms. Mm -hmm. So now posting content and for that content to organically reach millions of numbers, you would have to be like, once again, Beyonce or Shakira or Selena Gomez or Ricky Martin, et cetera, to reach these numbers organically. Because obviously social media platforms want you to invest and boost and add money to your post so that you can reach a broader audience. Mm-hmm. So, so I think, you know, it's, it's, that's kind of like the question that bugs me and, and, and kind of like the solution is telling people, like, even if you have 300 followers, you can be an influencer. Yes. You can get your message across and continue to do it. And people will continue to follow or be consistent, be coherent, get yourself out there, but don't stress yourself over this. Yes, absolutely. I love that. You all hear that, guys? <laughs> yes. But what is the best solution for business owners who feel like that they cannot write content? Like they're, you know, they, they might be experts of whatever it is that they do. But when it mm-hmm. comes to like writing content, sometimes they get this roadblock that just keeps them from doing anything at all. So uh-huh. what, what would you say to that business owner that is like, you know what? Like if you ask me questions about my industry, like let's say, I mean, real estate, I can talk for hours, but you know, if I have to pin down like, you know, a few different contents per day that I'm going to be covering it, I get this blockage. So what would you say to this person? Absolutely. In fact, we, um, I was panel, uh, last year at, um, at an event and this was one of the questions. And there are two things that I highly recommend that business owners, we typically do either start a journal where you can write down certain expertise, tips, questions, ideas, overall information about your industry, the knowledge that you have, and start converting some of these pieces into a post. Now, you need to do understand that social media is not a blog. So if you're going to post something on Instagram, you want to, the caption has to be short, but engaging and juicy enough. And same with Twitter. I mean, Twitter gives you a certain amount of characters and that's what you're good with, like to post. You don't have more room kind of for it. So once you start seeing this journal, it could be a Google Doc. It could be literally action, like, you know, writing on a journal, which is great. I feel that, you know, everybody should have a journal. Writing is such a great therapy and positive therapy. Say, for example, architects, designers, they went to a job site. They started a new project so they can just, you know, write down a few ideas. Realtors, they went to, um, you know, an opening of a new building or a new restaurant in town. And you want to talk about this new restaurant because if you really think about it, realtors are kind of like the up and coming of neighborhoods, cities. What's going on in the city? If I'm going to buy an apartment in San Francisco, I'm going to ask my realtor, what's a good boutique around here? What's a good vegan restaurant around here, et cetera. So you do want to be kind of like, you know, munching in these areas of content and writing them down. That or a blog. So 
having a blog kind of forces you, for lack of a better saying, to write down about your expertise, about experiences in your life as an entrepreneur, as a mom as well, as et cetera, et cetera. So it's literally like an octopus. There are so many areas that you can talk about that, you know, people, you never know who's going to benefit from hearing what you have to say. So once you write a blog, then you're like, oh, this is not that hard. And I actually like it. And it's helped business. For example, we have a customer, it's a co-working space, uh, women owned and CEO. Her name is Rebecca. And she asked me this question and I'm like, Beck, you should start a blog because she said, I like writing. I haven't done it in a while, but how can I write all of these experiences that I've had in this co-working space? It's a co-working space. And I said, why don't you write? Maybe having a blog on the website would be amazing. And we can start featuring bits and pieces of the blogs into an Instagram post, into a Facebook post, a tweet. And she did. And she loves it. And it's been very helpful for us. Right? Yes. yes. Which, which brings me to the fact that sometimes, you know, that is why you want to work with someone like Carol. Because what happens is when you're by yourself, you get stuck and you need someone like her that's going to, I mean, she, I can tell just from like, you know, talking a little bit with her today that she would never run out of ideas to give you. <laughs> so, you know, if you get stuck, you need someone like her that's going to be like, well, what about this? What about that? What if? What if? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Left and right. Well, yeah, once yeah. again, creativity and finding sources. Absolutely. Yes. So what is, what part of the social media marketing is the most important yet overlooked in your opinion? I think we focus and, and, and I'm going to tie it back a little bit to what, you know, we were previously talking about. I think there's way too much focus of the negative overall with social media, whether it's, they have all of our information and all of our identity. So there are no privacy kind of laws whatsoever with social media, what stays on Facebook, you know, what goes on Facebook stays on Facebook and so on with the other platforms. People obviously latch onto the negative and I think they they really move away from the positive, which is once again, if everything in life has a good side and not such a good side. So with social media, I think it's the same scenario. I don't think there's only one particular thing. I think it's overall users, you know, latching into like the negative aspects or when negative um, actions take place and then forgetting about how positive it can really be. I always focus on balance. Like we need to really balance the, the scenario with social media. We can't, you know, live glued to our phones. And, and I mean, often not, you see it, it doesn't, I can't guarantee obviously that if I see someone walking by and they're watching their phone, automatically they're on Facebook, they could be reading their email, but obviously the demographics tell you, you know, at what times people were connected, how often were they connected, how many times they visited, etc. cetera. Um, there's a great tool on the iPhone that um, gives you the metrics of how much time you're spending on each platform and yeah. you lock it if you want to. So you can, you can program it so that it, tells you that you can no longer go on Instagram because you limit your time or you can no longer watch YouTube because it limits your time, et cetera. And it's been very helpful. And I, in my case, what I do is social media management left and right. Um, so when I, you know, when I come home or when I arrive home, I want to be with my husband. I want to read a book. I want to watch a movie with him. I want to cuddle. I want to cook with him, et cetera. So it's the time to like understand that that's time to disconnect if we want to call it something. 
Yes, and I'm an animal lover and a nature lover, and I know that you're doing a lot uh, of community service to help animals find shelters, which I find that so amazing because, again, focusing on the positive, what can you do in a positive uh, standpoint to really create a positive change in the world for whatever it is that you care about, right? Um, So how did that come about, like for you to start doing that? I, I just wanted to hear the story on that a little bit. For sure. So it actually started in Florida. I volunteered in one of the local shelters where I lived in Miami. And I really started analyzing that it's a problem. Florida has a really big problem with shelters. They are typically super overcrowded. and There aren't enough people adopting. And so since the shelters are overcrowded and these are local shelters from the city, they have to take all the animals that come in through the door. There are two types of shelters, closed and open. Open are city shelters that they have to, you know, receive all animals that come by from people. The closed ones are private shelters or private organizations, nonprofits, et cetera, that kind of help animals, whether in their house or in a farm, et cetera, like, you know, be there until somebody comes adopts them and they don't have to take in any animals that come by. They just choose which animals to help. So to the point that I would arrive to my house every week or every two weeks with a different one or two or three animals, like, because it was like, they're about to reach their limits. And if nobody adopts them, they're going to put them to sleep. And there were animals in perfect conditions, dogs and cats that, oh my God, it would break my heart. And that was like the day to day of the shelter. So I started volunteering for another shelter and then another one because I kind of like wanted to see if it was like that in every shelter. And literally that was a scenario. So I said, well, I really want to do something that's a lot more impactful and like the new way of adopting because this is just horrible. Animals get so sick in shelters It's just a very tough scenario. Um, So I said the first year of my business or the second year, as soon as I reached this goal economically, like this amount of money, um, I'm going to buy a lot and we're going to start a sanctuary. So I did just that. The second year of my business, um, I was able to reach, you know, a certain amount of clients and collect certain amount of money and funds per se. So we bought a lot in Okeechobee, Florida, which is like two and a half hours away from Fort Lauderdale. And we're starting to build a sanctuary. So the idea is to almost convert it into an Airbnb hub where we go to the shelters, we adopt the dogs and cats that are almost in red alert, which means they're going to put them asleep very soon because nobody is adopting them. We're going to bring them to the farm. And then they're going to hang out there if they need help with like vaccinations or anything like that. But it's not a common scenario because the shelter will um, assure that they give you like an animal in good conditions, like vaccines and all up to date. And then when people go and stay in the farm as an Airbnb, if they fall in love with one of the dogs or cats, they can adopt them from us. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) A healthier scenario. We're in the process. We bought the lot three and a half years ago. And we're in the process of like registering the, the nonprofit officially, which we got approved five months ago. It's called Be Positive. Very cool. Yeah. So we're finally approved. But in the meantime, while all this goes by, we are foster parents. So we foster 
kitties and dogs that are about to be in red alert, about to be put asleep. And we try to find like, we use social media and it's like, hey guys, we're fostering this kitty or this dog or this, this, or this, that. If you're interested, let me know. And we've been able to to find parents, forever loving homes for these animals, thanks to through social media and WhatsApp and Facebook and just continuing to post and post and post. And people tag their friends, tag a friend that was looking or to, to adopt, et cetera. So it's great. Wow. Amazing work. So cool. Stay tuned, everyone, to see uh, when it's all inaugurated and you can actually book the Airbnb. I would love to yes. hear about that. So, yes. <laughs> All right. So what is uh, going back to social media and what are the things that we have not touched on that you find it very important that you feel that it's a must have to be talked about? I know that we're coming close to the ending here and I just want to be respectful of your time, but at the same time, uh, open it up to see if there's anything that you would like to say that we haven't touched on. Yes. I would really um, want to talk about two kind of tips, tricks on Facebook for business owners, startups, entrepreneurs. Facebook um, launched about a year and a half ago a tool called Facebook Jobs, where as a business owner, you can go in there and post a job, a post a listing of a hiring job or a position that you have available in your job. Oftentimes we see our customers saying, oh my gosh, we really need like, a bookkeeper or like a full-time bookkeeper or a secretary, or we need an engineer or we need a salesperson. I myself have used a Facebook jobs for hiring for B social group and it's worked great. So you might really want to look at it's not as popular. So you might want to look into Facebook jobs the next time you're looking for someone because it's very specific. The minute you post that job, it goes into a database of people that are searching for, for a job in that area, in that location, and in that kind of range of keywords that you listed. Mm-hmm. So it really helps you match with, you know, great candidates. That's one. And two, when advertising on Facebook and talking about lead generation, Sabrina, that, you know, we were kind of focusing on it at the beginning of the podcast is lead generation, the lead generation option on Facebook when you choose it. It allows you to choose whichever objective you want, whether you want users to click on a button that says learn more or sign up, etc. Once you choose um, the lead generator option, it allows you to edit and generate a subscription form asking users whatever it is that you want to collect. So it is a great way to generate an ad on Facebook because you collect emails and database of users that are literally actually interested in your product or service, right? So say, for example, us at B Social Group, how do we use that tool? So basically what we do is we generate an ad, we choose lead generation, And then we say on the caption, are you a business owner that are too busy to manage your business social media channels? Sign up for a ch- sign up and learn more about our social media management services. And then we choose a nice banner. We design a nice banner, the caption, and then the call to action button would be sign up. Once the user clicks on sign up, it's a short, like very simple uh, sign up form. And we get to ask whatever we want to collect. We don't make it as long because we don't want users to move away. So we collect business name, 
name, email, and phone number and uh, location of business. So then business owners will say, yes, I really want to learn more about social media management services. They sign up, they give us their business name, and then they click submit and it's done. At the end of the ad, say, for example, we chose to run the ad for 10 days. At the end of the ad, Facebook will notify us, your lead generator ad is over, collect leads here. You click on it and you can export all of that information to a Google Doc, where now you can reach out either via phone or email to these leads. Wow, how beautiful is that? And let me ask you, how much would a budget need to be to see any results with this type of ads? It depends on the industry. And once again, with ad generation, it's all about test and measuring. But we've run it with $150 and it's gotten us a good 32, 35 users interested in our social media management service. It's been a great return of investment for us. In other scenarios... For example, a customer of, of ours, she's an acupuncturist and we did a giveaway. So sign up for a chance to win a 25-minute acupuncture session targeted only to San Francisco because that's where she is. So that's only where she wants to target, of course. And it obtained, we invested $75 and it obtained 12 leads interested in, in a 25-minute in a acupuncture session. So that scenario was a bit different because we were going to choose one winner out of whomever uh, joined, signed up. But that means now that our customer gets to keep this database of 12 people that they are interested. So whenever she runs a giveaway or a special or a discount for the holidays, she has 12 new people on her CRM. So it's a great opportunity to, to convert like followers into leads if we, you know, we're talking specific return of investment and lead generation. Love it. I feel that we have covered a lot of ground in such a small, short time <laughs> period. Thank you again for this time spent and uh, sure, definitely valuable for everyone. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Have a beautiful week, everyone. Yes. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thanks for joining us today. To join our free Facebook group and access the links and resources mentioned in the shows and much more, go to www.sabrina-gagnon.com. That is G-A-G-N-O-N. You will become a member of a private Facebook group dedicated to providing the best practices, skills, and strategies to grow your business. And remember, we all have natural advantages that comes from our instinctive power. You are perfectly created to accomplish so much. Let's challenge the status quo and create a business and life you love. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.